Hello, welcome to the Emerging Leaders, the podcast, a space where young leaders at IYF get the opportunity to engage with experienced leaders to learn from them and exchange ideas about all sorts of things related to our work in youth development and advancement as professionals. My name is Stephanie Potenciano. I'm a finance officer for the LAC region. This is my fourth year working in IYF and I'm based in Mexico City. I love working for young people because I believe that with the right opportunities, they can achieve extraordinary things and change the path of their lives. I'm super happy because today I'm going to be your host. And for this session, we have the pleasure of having Edmari del Valle with us. Hi, Esteth. I am really excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, but I'll start with a brief introduction. For those who don't know me, my name is Edmari del Valle. I am a senior program manager at IYF, and I have been at IYF for almost three years. Prior to joining IYF, I did program management and academic advising at organizations like the Boys and Girls Club, Regent University, and Operation Smile. What drew me to IYF was the organization's mission and values. I'm inspired to work with and for young people because there are so many things I wish I had known or I had access to that I don't want other young people to miss out on. I also wanna take a moment to say thank you, Steph and the Emerging Leaders for hosting me on today's podcast, especially about a topic as important as the one we're going to talk about. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you, Edmari. During today's episode, we will be talking about mental health. So before we begin, we consider important to note that we are not mental health professionals, but rather, people in diverse career pathways who will share about how we have managed to balance our personal well-being with our professional growth. So, Edmari, I would like to start by asking, what is mental health to you? Yeah, so according to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It's the part of our being that determines how we handle stress, how we relate to others, and what choices we make. If someone is experiencing a mental health problem, their thinking, behavior, or mood might be affected. But if I were to define it for myself, I would say it's how well my mind, my feelings, and emotions are equipped to handle the challenges that come my way. I agree. I also see it as the tools that my mind has to overcome emotionally challenging situations. From your perspective, why it is important? I could probably go on for hours talking about why it's important, but I think first and foremost, uh, we know that our mental health affects how we think, feel, and act. It affects how we show up in our relationships, how we show up at work, and it also affects our physical health, both in the short term and in the long term. I think another reason it's important is because our mental health is present in our lives from childhood through adolescence and into adulthood. So at every stage of life, everyone has some degree of mental health, and yet talking about it is really stigmatized. In many cases, when we think about mental health, we immediately think of mental health problems and mental health illnesses like depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, 
and our minds immediately go to the harmful behaviors associated with these. And I think we can forget that there's still a human being behind a mental health problem trying their best to overcome their struggles and live their lives. Talking about mental health is so taboo. In fact, it's so taboo that I started second guessing myself when I was doing my final prep for the podcast. Yesterday, as I was thinking about the conversation, I really started thinking like, what if I say the wrong thing? What if someone feels triggered by something I share? Are my experiences even worth sharing on this platform? Until I finally thought all I can do is share my story authentically and hope that it encourages at least one other person. Having these conversations is important to destigmatize the topic of mental health, to show people that they don't have to be alone in their struggles and in their suffering, and to show people that good mental health is possible. I also think these conversations should be more frequent and normalized so that people are equipped to address their challenges whenever they come up. While some mental health conditions are identified and diagnosed early, other individuals might show symptoms later in life or after a traumatic event. And I think people should learn tools and strategies to manage them, no matter when the condition starts to interfere with their life, whether it be childhood, adolescence, or adulthood. I really, really wish that we could change the narrative around mental health topics. I agree. We should all prioritize mental health and have open conversations about it, as it is common to struggle with different mental health issues, even if you don't know how to name them. It's even more challenging in work environments, especially when the job presents stressful situations that combined with personal life matters can be overwhelming. Edmari, how have you managed your mental health at work? Steph, that's a really good question. I'm going to start off by saying that I don't do this perfectly, and it really varies depending on the stressor that I'm facing, as well as a ton of other environmental and social factors. Um, in fact, in this very moment, I would say that my work-life balance is probably a little off. And just yesterday, I had a chat with my supervisor about getting it back on track. There are a few habits that I've noticed are present whenever I do have good work-life balance, um, and some of those include being organized. Being organized helps so that nothing creeps up on me or catches me off guard. Um, those who know me know that I use a planner or an agenda to write down my priorities and to do items every single week. I set many internal deadlines for myself so that I don't miss major deadlines. I take breaks throughout the day, and I'm really intentional about stepping away from my computer during work hours. In fact, I've started taking breaks to go for a jog, to walk, or even to do a small workout. When I'm on PTO, I unplug. I shut down my laptop, and I don't turn it on until I'm supposed to be at work. I try to work a set schedule each day so that I'm not working outside of regular hours. And occasionally, when my balance is especially off, I will remove Outlook and Teams from my phone so that I avoid any temptation to check work things outside of work hours. Something else that has been a game changer for managing stress at work is being intentional about practicing self-care and getting good sleep. Praying, meditating, and exercising five to six times a week has helped me feel more present, stronger, and capable of overcoming challenges. With all that said, I, I do want to acknowledge that in some cases, what has worked for me might not work for someone else. 
Individuals living with a serious mental illness might need to see a physician and seek out medical guidance, and that's totally okay. There are other strategies that are necessary for managing one's mental health, but I wanted to share just a few that work for me and that I'm actively working on during a challenging season. I also have to give credit where credit is due. And my direct supervisor and my team members have been instrumental in helping me establish and maintain good work-life balance. When I returned from maternity leave earlier this year as a single parent, my supervisor was immensely flexible with my work schedule. When I wanted to return to the gym, I was able to adjust my schedule to start earlier in the day so that I could end by four. I could block my calendar at that time so that meetings didn't get scheduled. And there was even a time recently where I didn't have any help with my baby. So I sent an email to my team explaining that I might have to work at odd hours, either early in the day or late at night. And they totally understood. As recently as yesterday, my supervisor created a safe space for me to share about some struggles I'm facing that are impacting my motivation at work. Honestly, having a supportive environment and a team and an employer that understand that I have important demands outside of work and show me grace has helped me take care of my family and self while remaining effective and productive at work. You're right, Marie. It's very important to set boundaries and it's definitely of major help when your workplace has the flexibility and understanding to support you. When did you realize that work-life balance was important? I have always worked really hard. I remember that at my three previous jobs, I would work until the lights in the office would automatically turn off. And this is a true story. I thought that to be a good employee, I had to have the longest to-do list and work the latest hours and volunteer for the most opportunities. But I realized that work-life balance was important during the COVID-19 pandemic. During COVID, I started to experience what I would later learn were symptoms of burnout. I started having migraines. I remember that I would lay in bed for hours without falling asleep because I would be replaying work scenarios in my head and overthinking the smallest details. It, it was pretty bad. I would literally ask myself, did I forget to send an email? Did I forget to schedule a meeting? I can't believe I said that. I wish I had better ideas. When will I find time to finish an important report if I'm in back-to-back meetings tomorrow? Am I really good enough to lead this upcoming kickoff? It was like the off switch in my brain stopped working and the stress I was feeling about work was manifesting in physical symptoms. I still vividly remember feeling a really deep sense of sadness, self-doubt, inferiority, and dissatisfaction, and none of it felt worth it. I was doing my best and I didn't feel good enough at work. I was questioning why I worked so hard in school and work for what felt like no payoff. And for me, that that's when I realized that I was going to have to make a change because I could not take feeling another second of, of what I was feeling and thinking. And remember, this is during COVID. So we were all working from home. So one day I decided that I was going to log on to my computer at 8.30 in the morning and log off at five, regardless of what didn't get done. And that was honestly a really scary thought because I had a laundry list of things that I needed to get done. But to force myself 
to stay committed to that plan and to unplug after 5 p.m., I would go for a five-mile walk at a nearby trail. And I would do this every day. And again, this is during COVID, so we weren't really allowed to go anywhere. We couldn't go out to eat or drink or hang out with friends. So I would go for a five-mile walk every day after work. And it would take a while for this to become a habit, but unplugging and getting physical activity for me would be the start to my work-life balance journey. Thanks for sharing with us, Edmari. I would like to ask, what do you do to maintain work-life balance as an emerging professional, working mom, and high achiever? Because in my own experience, it has been a long process of adaptation. Now, after two years of being mom of twins, I understand that in order to set a good example for my girls and give them a better life, I need to be a successful professional. I have now managed to find a balance that allows me to focus and perform at work when my babies are at daycare. It is at this time of the day that I prioritize goals and activities that require a high level of attention. Then, when the girls are back from daycare, I continue working but focusing on simpler tasks that I can do while I also take care of them. This gives me a chance to continue developing my career, but when work time is over, I focus on having quality time with my babies. I would love to know how you do it yourself. Steph, thank you so much for sharing how you do it. I agree that it can take a very long time to adapt. Um, and honestly, I've even wondered how you have managed to do it with two little ones at the same time. Um, but for me to have work-life balance is something you have to work on constantly. Uh, a common practice for me is to sit down Sunday evenings or first thing Monday mornings and map out what my week is going to look like and establish my priorities for each day. Uh, the truth is that this year was particularly difficult for me where work-life balance was very important, but it was also the most difficult to work at because I became a first-time mom and a single mom because my husband was stuck out of the country. You know, as a, as a proud achiever, I really felt like I had to give 100% to being the best mom possible and 100% to being a good team member. And around April or May, I felt like I was falling short every single day. And sometimes those feelings still creep in. However, one of the ways I try to maintain my work-life balance wearing these different hats is by being clear about my priorities. Being a mom and taking care of my family and myself comes first. So I create time and space in my day for my duties as a mom and wife, much like you do, And then I schedule my work around that. I communicate with my team if I ever have conflicting priorities. I look ahead at my schedule so that I can make changes to scheduled meetings whenever necessary. And I take breaks, both in my personal life and in my work life. If I need a break from taking care of my baby, I do so safely. And if I need a break from work, I do so and I communicate it to my team so that our work is not impacted. And I think to an outsider or someone who might not have similar experiences, this probably sounds really selfish. Like, how can she put her family first before work? 
But what I've realized is that putting my well-being first actually enables me to show up as the best version of me for my team and in my relationships. Whenever my work-life balance is off, I tend to be less engaged and my attitude is not the best. But when I have good work-life balance, I do better work. It's been great to hear from you and about your experiences today, Edmarie. I would love to ask you now, what would you tell a young professional about mental health and or work-life balance? This is probably another question that I could spend hours on, but I did highlight a few things I wish I could tell young people today. And, and the first is related to young people who might be looking for work. Um, my first advice would be when you're interviewing for jobs, ask potential employers about their wellness benefits. Do they offer adequate PTO and vacation time? What are their parental leave policies? Do they offer flexible or hybrid work options? How easy is it to request time off? And how do they support team members' work-life balance? I think asking those questions early on will help you determine if that position or that organization is really a good fit for your professional trajectory. I think for those who might be starting off at work, I would say establish your work boundaries early. Be clear about your work hours, unplug after work, take time off, go on vacations or staycations, and learn how to say no to work tasks that you don't have the bandwidth for. I think generally my advice to young people would be don't underestimate the power of rest, water, and sunlight. Rest as much as you need to. You don't have to be busy every minute of your day. Aiming for eight or more hours of sleep each night will do magical wonders. Drink lots of water and make it your drink of choice. It's good for your body, your organs, your skin, your brain, and your heart. The benefits of drinking water are just really underrated. And then step outside for five to 10 minutes every day. Find the sun and just soak it in. It honestly can feel like therapy, but don't forget sun protection. I also wish young professionals understood that you can have it all. A prosperous career and a healthy home and social life are possible. And when it feels impossible, it just means that you have a little more work to do to get there. And in those cases, we shouldn't be afraid to ask for help. I can honestly, genuinely say that I have had help along my personal and professional journey from friends, family, coworkers, and coaches. And my last piece of advice is a quote that I'm sure we've all heard before. And it's, everyone you meet is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. Be kind always. What we see about another person's life is such a small fragment of who they are and what they are going through. We might not be mental health professionals, but as professionals, there are competencies that we could all be working on that would help us create safe spaces for people whose struggles are affecting their work. Some of these include self-awareness, empathy, communication, and critical thinking. Maybe it's being more intentional about reading the room before sharing an opinion uh, or checking your attitude and tone when you're sharing your perspective. 
Perhaps you might ask someone who is struggling if there's something you can do or something you can stop doing to help them. And sometimes it's as simple as suggesting, should we move this meeting to a different time? If you notice that someone is feeling a little out of sorts, your kindness, your patience and compassion could be an act that saves a life, heals a wound or helps someone overcome a really difficult challenge. Thank you so much for sharing this with us, Edmarie, and for joining us. This was a very encouraging conversation. And as we mentioned early, we hope that talking about this subject helps everyone who is listening to prioritize their mental health in the modern workplace. And regarding that, we wanted to give a friendly reminder to our IYF peers that IYF offers the Employee Assistance Program as a valuable resource. The EAP is a free confidential resource available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to employees and family members in your household. One key benefit is access to five counseling sessions per issue per year. You can also get referrals to local financial and legal resources. For more information, you can check out the EAP website. You can find the link in the description of the episode. Many thanks to everyone who has joined us. See you in the next episode of IYF's Emerging Leaders Podcast. Bye. Thank you.